Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Thanks, everybody, for braving the crazy weather. It's mornings like this that remind us we don't go to church. We are the church. Uh, so I, I grew up in Florida, so this always shocks me, even though I'm going on almost 10 years in Chicago. So always makes me do a double take. Um, Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, Hope you all got a chance to take a little time to yourselves, to your families, and uh, rest and relax a little bit. Um, Both my family and my wife's family are from Florida, so (laughs) tough break. So we drove down there uh, for for a few weeks, and the morning that we left, it was... uh, early, early Monday morning, December 16th, and it was like nine degrees outside. It was when kind of all this nonsense was starting. And uh, so our plan was to get the van loaded up, get it all warm, and like at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, get a, get a head start on the day. I'm, I'm the kind of traveler who likes to see the sunrise when I'm like four hours into my trip. It gives me a really good feeling, you know, so that's what we were aiming for. And so it's all going well. It's, it's about that time in the morning. I got like four hours of sleep, you know, whatever. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So the van's warm, and I, now it's mission impossible to get into the girls' room and, like, get them wrapped up into the van so we can just buckle them and go, right? Because then that makes for the hours of just quiet the first part of the trip. Well, so I get Laurel May, who's our one-year-old, and I wrap her up, and she's kind of dead to the world, and get her in her car seat. I'm like, sweet, success. Well, then Ami, who is almost four, she's four this Thursday, get her something cool. I'm kidding. Um, she, she, I go in and I turn off the fan. In her, you know how, like, do any of you sleep with like a fan on or anything like that? And as soon as that fan goes off, it's like, you're awake because the noise stopped. So Ami sits right up and goes, are we going on a road trip now? And I'm like, ah, oh, you're not going back to sleep. So... <laughs> I'm like, Shh, yeah, we are, we are. I wrap her up in a blanket. She's like, I don't, I don't need a blanket, Daddy. I don't need a blanket. I'm like, baby girl, it's nine degrees outside. And she, clear as day, sits up, 2.30 in the morning, in my arms. She looks at me and she goes, Daddy, I'm a Chicago girl. I can take this. And then when we get in the car, she proceeds to ask me, because she's not going back to sleep, where I'm from. And I was like, well, I was born in Texas. And she goes, oh, well, you can't take this. <laughs> and mommy was born in Florida, so she really can't take this. So uh, anyway, all that to say, I hope you guys had a good, a good turn of the year, some time off. And, the, and thanks so much for braving the weather to come out. Um, it's exciting. It's 2014. Uh, you know, we ended 2013, I thought, in just a great way as a body. We completed a year-long, sometimes felt like a 10-year-long series in Acts going through uh, the beginnings of the early church, the beginnings of, of the outworking of the kingdom of Jesus under the new covenant, uh, the, the pouring out of God's spirit and, and the apostolic ministry and all these exciting things that we celebrate the beginning of and we see the continuing of today. And I just really thought that that was just an awesome thing for us to go through together as a church. And as an eldership, we, we kind of we wrestling with, you know, where do we go now in 2014? We don't just want to start something new for the sake of a new year. Don't want to just do things because of the calendar. But we really thought that an exciting way to do 2014 would be to do 
several different series, several different studies, and that's what we're going to do this year. So no one year long thing. It'll be, it'll be some shorter things, but we're, we're going to start off in a unique and important way, in my opinion. We're going to start off 2014 for these first five weeks, uh, revisiting and freshly reaffirming some of the prophetic words that have been spoken over us at Church in the City as a family. Um, I, think, I think it's just... I think we're at, a, we're at a great point. Church in the City is almost 10 years old. Can you believe it? 10 years old in May. Um, it'll be a great birthday party. Um, and I just think it's, a, it's an important thing to just sort of sit and freshly remind ourselves of some of the purposes, some of the words that have been spoken over us um, by those who know us and love us. There's been lots of words and pictures and impressions for Church in the City um, from people here in our body, from people across the nations, across the cities. But... A lot of them, many of them, seem to resonate with uh, the book of Isaiah in the Bible, whether exactly or thematically. And so this first, this first five weeks of the year, we're going to take a look at a series called Spoken Over Us, Words from Isaiah. Um, and I'm excited because I, I, just, I just think it's going to be a nice thing to remind ourselves of. Um, Steve and Vanessa are going to be preaching through some of the words as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about... Uh, the first one today. Um, but first today, I think what I'd like to do is take a look at just what it exactly is the concept of a prophetic word, in case there's some of you, as I'm saying that, who are kind of like, what is that? Um, and why is, it, why is it necessary to remind ourselves about what has been spoken over us? You know, I think, I think most of you would probably agree there is real power in speaking something over someone. I mean, we just, we just, Welcome, Nariah, uh, dedicated her here. We're going to have that time, as Chris mentioned, of, of time of prayer for her, for Matt and Sheetal, for their family. And it's going to be a time of speaking things over Nariah. And we see that in Scripture. There is power in speaking things over people for good, for the kingdom, and also for the enemy. Things can be spoken over. And things have been spoken over our church um, in terms of the purposes of God for us. So we'll take a look um, at what that means and why it's necessary to remind ourselves. I feel like I'm kind of justifying my sermon, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. I justify a lot of things uh, and then do them. But, uh, and then we'll take a look, as I mentioned, at, one, uh, at the first prophetic word that we're going to talk about in the new year. So, and don't worry, I'll zoom. I'm a fast talker. So just give me the slowdown sign if you need to. Um, so first, I just want to, want to ask ourselves, what exactly is a prophetic word? If you've been at church in the city for any amount of time, on Sundays, you're coming on Wednesday nights to prayer, you probably hear this phrase thrown around, what is a prophetic word? And I would like to submit to you very simply that a prophetic word is an action or it's a practice, giving a prophetic word, that is described and affirmed in Scripture. Now, we see that, first of all, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and 8, where the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, and it's in the context of speaking about giftings of the Spirit. And he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. And he continues on for several verses in the same sort of fashion. But that, that phrase, message of knowledge, or word of knowledge in some translations, is what is most commonly known as a prophetic word. And a word of knowledge or a prophetic word is a word that is received from God by someone 
in relationship, in a listening partnership with God to receive to the Spirit of God and to be shared then, the word is to be shared then or released to an individual or to a group, bringing revelation and insight to the movement and instruction of God on that individual or group. I'll read that again because as you will learn, I am not a PowerPoint guy. I just can't do it. I can put verses up there, but I just can't. I can't put points up there. My apologies. But so a word of knowledge or a prophetic word is prophetically received from God from a listening, relational standpoint and is to be shared and released to an individual or a group bringing revelation and insight and encouragement to the movement or instruction of God on that individual or group. Does that make sense? So a prophetic word is, is received for someone else. It's actually, it's actually a great picture of a partnership between us and God because I think God's pretty capable of just dropping something to someone if he needs to, but he allows us to partner, and that's exciting. Yeah? So you might be thinking as I describe that, that sounds really complicated, and probably it's just for the spiritual elite, and well, it's probably just for the elders, and it's probably just for people who are well-established and been following Jesus for decades and decades, and that's just simply not the case. Uh, It's just not the case. We don't see that in scripture that that's the case, that only certain elect people um, receive and give prophetic words. Now, we do recognize um, a prophetic gifting uh, or the office, or we, we recognize giftings as, as people who um, hear very clearly from the Lord, but all of us are able to receive a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, and to share it. Uh, a great example of this is if you've ever been to prayer with us on Wednesday night. You'll see uh, we're worshiping, we're crying out to God in prayer, usually for our city or for the nations or for for the work of his kingdom. And there'll be an elder leading the meeting and and you'll see someone walk up to them and they'll they'll whisper something in their ear. You know, it's like, what are they doing? Well, God has put an impression or word on their heart that they want to share, that they feel needs to be shared for, for the group that night. And so then it's done. And that is a very simple, very, very clear outworking of what a prophetic word is. So it's not uber mysterious, and it's not unaccessible, and it's not, you know, ooh, how did that happen? It's not paranormal activity, New Testament style. It's uh, It's just an instruction and encouragement from God given to you to be released to another person. Does that make sense? Or another group. So a prophetic word can be given to a person. It can also be spoken over for example, a church, a family, a, a body, a group of people. A um, couple things about a prophetic word is the sharer of the prophetic word always needs to make sure that it's in line with Scripture. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't get a prophetic word for you that you need to get a divorce. It's not really in line with Scripture, right? Uh, the sharer always also needs to make sure that the word is for the edification or the strengthening of the individual or group. We don't get revelation from God that somebody is a real knucklehead, and that's where we leave it. Remember, there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. The Holy Spirit does come and convict, but he doesn't come and condemn. So God, if, if sometimes we do receive prophetic words from people that do involve a little bit of instruction, and those are the ones that we need to be very careful and clear with, because there might be, need to be some correction. However, it's always from a place of encouraging, always from a place of edifying and strengthening, never from a place of, you're terrible and that's where I'm leaving it, right? 
that's not from the heart of God. It's brought and shared in a heart of love and grace. In a, if, I, if I could say, in a pastoral heart. We all have the capability of being pastoral. Yeah? The receiver of a prophetic word has sort of responsibilities too. And that is, one, to receive it with humility and grace. To receive it and honestly, honestly take it and say, okay, I, I receive that. You know, I'm, I, I may not be putting on my obeying shoes right away to go and act it out, but I receive it. I hear it. And then our responsibility as a receiver also is to weigh it up with Scripture. We weigh it up with Scripture. You notice how both the sharer and the receiver have a responsibility to be submitted to Scripture? Nothing that goes on uh, in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit is ever contrary or outside of the realm of this. Happiness? Yes. If something is going on that dishonors the Word of God, it is not from the Spirit of God. Won't happen. Something that's going on that's dishonoring the heart of, or the name of Jesus, not from the Spirit of God. Yeah? So, lastly, the receiver also then, when that word is given, it's been received, we're weighing it against Scripture, the receiver has a, has a responsibility to hold it in prayer before the Lord and to ask, where's the truth in this? I'm actively, I'm actively putting this before God. Because clearly someone felt that they needed to obey God in sharing this to me, so I'm going to weigh it up and pray, pray into it before the Lord. You know? And some words, some words are huge. Some words are hugely future-oriented. You know, they deal with things that won't come to pass for decades. Some words, some words deal with things that are immediate impact. But both we need to take to the Lord and we need to say, okay, you know, Lord, um, man, this is a lot of people are, are getting the sense from you that I'm going to plant a church one day. Well, you're not doing that tomorrow, but you are taking it before the Lord today, tomorrow, and the next day. Yeah? And these sharing a word, receiving a word principles are true for individuals. It's also true for us as a church. It's true on a corporate level as well. And I just want you guys to know, I just want to look you in the eye and say that as, as an eldership, we are always, always, always doing this. We are always going before the Lord and we are asking him, what are you saying? Our ear is to you. What are, what are you saying specifically to church in the city? I just want you to rest in that knowledge. It's not because uber spiritual or anything like that. It's just that's how we want to be tuned to the Lord. And I think that on a congregational level too, we all have a responsibility to be doing that as family members of Church in the City. Just like giving words is not just for some elite class, receiving and weighing words and having an ear to the Lord is not just for some elite class. There is no elite class. Yes? Not throwing anything at me? Yeah, so actually you as a family member of Church in the City actually have an obedient responsibility to have your ear to the Lord and to be weighing up the things that have been spoken over this family. You have ownership and vision in that, which is why I'm excited about these first five weeks to sort of reaffirm and refresh ourselves on some of these things. So if you're not getting a sense yet of why it's important for us as church in the city to, to revisit some of these prophetic words, um, I got a couple more reasons for you. <laughs> um, first of all is that Jesus is the head of, of this church. Colossians 1.18, Jesus is the head of the church. The church, big C, this church, little C, that church, little C. Jesus is the head of his church. So he has the prerogative to speak to us directly, does he not? Yeah. You're the head of the church, captain of the ship, you're building your church, you can speak to us. 
So it is important to visit these things again. Also, I would argue, and I I believe that God's purposes for each local church, and therefore this local church, are specific. We're a church here in Chicago. We're not a church in somewhere else right now. God's purposes for us are specific. He planted this church here in this city, brought us here, and that's not on accident. So... It follows, therefore, that God would say and continue to speak directly to us as a church for our time, our circumstances, our situations. Yeah? So it's important to have our ear to that. And then the last thing I'd say in terms of why it's important is you're sitting in the seat right now. You're here. You are, you know, if you're in this family, if, you, if, if church in the city is clearly where God has you, then I would argue it's essential to know God's heartbeat in this body, yeah? And you probably already do, which is probably kind of how you wrestle with the Lord and said, okay, I, I, I feel knitted in at Church in the City. I feel like my heart resonates with what God is, is doing there, and this is my family, and, I'm, and you, you probably came to that conclusion, which is why you consider yourself a part of this family. Uh, three weeks ago, we, we did one of my favorite, favorite things that we ever do, and that is introduce well, introduce, celebrate uh, people who have declared that church in the city is where God has them. And like 15 to 20 people stood up here and we introduced them and prayed for them. And it's just exciting. And it's not exciting, hear me, it's not exciting because they joined church in the city. It's exciting because there is a family that God has called them to be a part of. They recognize that, they obeyed, and that God has placed them then in that family. That's why it's exciting. Can I, can I just say... At, as an eldership or leadership or whatever, our desire for people is not ultimately to be a part of church in the city. Our desire is for you to have a relationship with Jesus that is thriving and flourishing and where you're listening and obeying because he's Lord of your life. That's the desire. And if that brings you here, awesome. Awesome. If it means taking you somewhere else, awesome. That's the ultimate desire. But for those of us in this family... Knowing how the Lord has spoken and continues to speak to church in the city is essential. Yeah? Yeah. I say yeah and right a lot. You can just laugh me off. Um, maybe, you're, maybe, you have, maybe you're visiting for the first time today. Maybe you've only been coming a couple of times. I would still argue that it's important for you to discover then the heartbeat of this church. The heartbeat of what God is doing at church in the city and how he's spoken to us. It's still essential for, for us to get, a, to get a, a picture of how he speaks to us. Prophetic words to church in the city are relevant to us all. Old, young, kids, man, woman, parent, all of us, new, old. It, they're relevant to all of us because this is our family. God put us here. He put this family in our hearts. And so it's our responsibility then corporately to hear them, weigh them, pray into them, act on them as faith as a unified body and family. Yeah? So... That's what the next five weeks is about, that Steve and Vanessa are going to continue um, to sort of piggyback on as well. So I hope you're excited, and I hope, um, yeah, I hope there's a stirring for you to, to sort of rehear and reaffirm what the Lord has said. So, prophetic words, we're good. Hopefully, you can corner me afterwards and put your finger at me and say that I was wrong somewhere if you want, but that's okay. Um, so in terms of the first word that has been spoken over church in the city that we're going to talk about in the new year, I feel honored to bring in the new year, uh, is, is this idea of church in the city being a watchman for our city. 
the idea of Church in the City being a watchman for the city of Chicago, someone who, an entity that stands in the gap and says, Chicago, behold your God. A watchman to the city. I want to I read to you Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. So I'm not apologizing for it. It's a long chapter. But I like reading whole chapters of Scripture. And I just want to say, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, just, just take a place, a posture, whatever it may be for you, of hearing. And just, just, I want you to just hear the attributes and the descriptions of God that are declared in, in Isaiah 40. Because I really think that this idea of being a watchman, uh, this theme of being a watchman that has been spoken over church in the city so many times really resonates with this chapter. So, Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible, you're there. Like I said, I'm not putting it up there, so you have to listen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm reading out of the NIV. Don't hate me. All right. Yeah. Isaiah 40 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill be made low. The rough ground shall become level and rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All men are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, and the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain, and you who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, don't be afraid, and say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. His arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd, and he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught the Lord the knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. And he weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They're regarded as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will we compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. And a man too poor to present that offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? 
Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Yeah. You should... Yeah, man, that picture of God... The things that are said about God. We'll revisit that in a couple of minutes. But I just get this picture of, picture of God just measuring out the heavens with the breadth of his hand. I measure out window blinds with the breadth of my hand. He measures out the heavens. And the only reason none of the stars are missing is because he's got the might and strength to hold him there. And he's named them. It's unbelievable. I think verse 9 captures the essence of what has most often been spoken over church in the city in the sense of being watchmen. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. And you who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. And say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Watchmen, those who see, those who hear, those who proclaim the fullness of the goodness of God, the kingdom of Jesus, praying, interceding for a city in need of redemption and relationship with Jesus. This is a weighty, weighty prophetic word. It's not something where you're like, cool, we're watchmen, solid. This is why when we hear this as a body, we weigh it. We ask the Lord, what do we do with this? Yeah? So I I thought it'd be, you know, the idea of a watchman isn't exactly like culturally modern for us. So I thought we'd just briefly revisit what is the exact purpose of a watchman? Um, and I, I would say that the purpose of a watchman is to see and hear and relay what is coming or what is real to those who can't see and can't hear and can't perceive what is actually coming or is real. Does that make sense? So it's like that, it's like that piece that's high up, going up on a high mountain and looking to see what is coming. That's the purpose of a watchman. Um, sometimes that can mean danger or warning. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a defensive reason for a watchman. And sometimes it means, it means good things. Like, like if you've ever been to a surprise birthday party, you know, it's like, are they coming? Is she here? Okay, sh- 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 shut up. Sh- 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 sh-. You know, surprise. That's what happens at a surprise birthday party. If you didn't know, people go, surprise. 
but it's always, always significant. The idea of a watchman is always significant. It's never a lazy idea. There's always a purpose for a watchman, right? It's never like, oh, I don't know, I'll go be a watchman. No, there's, there's an expectation of something. It adds a little bit of drama. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and assume that everybody here has seen The Hunger Games 2. Um, if you haven't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm shamelessly a fan of teenage novels as long as they're movies. But um, I, So there's this district. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, it's, I'm not going to get, there's no spoiler alert. Um, but, I'm, you know, you guys kind of have the idea of the Hunger Games, but it's this, you know, there comes a point in the movie where um, the main character, Katniss, and some people around her are, just, just relax, Britt, just relax. I can hear you now. I can hear you now. The main character, Katniss, is with a couple other people, and they, they sort of made it through, like, the first day of, you know, the, the competition or whatever they call it, and they've survived, and now it's turning night. What? Did I miss something? Oh, now it's, now it's turning into night and it's like, okay, they're dead tired and they've survived and, and they, they look around and they ask each other who is going to be the first to be the watchman so that everybody else can sleep. And there's kind of this like, no, 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 you did. No, 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 I did. No, no, no. Well, I guarantee you at the point in the movie where somebody says, okay, I will, I'm going to take the first watch. You guys get some rest. Okay. Nobody gets up and goes to the bathroom at that part of the movie. Because you know something's coming. The idea of a watchman inherently implies expectation and need for a watchman. Yes? It's not a lazy thing. It's not a dormant or passive thing. If there's no expectation, then there's no need for a watchman. If the Hunger Games was taking place on a beach with cocktails with no danger, and they're sitting under umbrellas on lounge chairs, and one of them goes... I'll be the watchman, that wouldn't make sense because nothing's coming and there's nothing to watch for. There's nothing to expect. So that's the idea of the need for a watchman. It's because we're expecting something. There's an, there's an inherent importance. What does a watchman do? I would say that a watchman provides a proclaiming link between what is real and those, and those who can't, can't see what's real. It's like the idea of, of an old ship, the, the, the in the days of wooden, tall, mass ships. Do you know what that little lookout post at the top was called? Anybody? Extra points? Crow's nest. Nice. You know where I learned that? Legos. I had <laughs> crow's nest Legos. But the, but the idea is that the man up in the crow's nest could see what's coming. And again, he can see danger or he can see good things like land at the end of a three months at sea exploration or whatever. But there's that perception There's the ability, his eyes, his ears, his senses are tuned to what is there because these people need him to be. That's what a watchman does. And the information that a watchman relays, you better believe it affects the reality of the people who receive it. Because now they have a new idea, they have a new context for what is going on, for lack of a better way of saying it, because the watchman has proclaimed to them. He's declared to them. He's informed them. It's new now. It's different. Yeah? So it's kind of like when I, when I think of this, um, you remember watching Saturday morning cartoons? Any children of the 80s in here? Holla. Uh, and, well, you remember the, the public service announcements that would come up? 
you know, was, the more you know. Um, it's kind of that idea. The people have been informed, and now they can do something with it. And what Saturday morning cartoon was it interrupting? G.I. Joe, where knowing is half the battle. And the other 25% is red lasers, and the other 25% is blue lasers, my friends. But, no. but the idea of this, when the, what a watchman does affects the people that he or she declares to. So here's a question. What does a heavenly watchman do? What does a heavenly watchman do? Because I would argue that's, that's our call. Be heavenly watchman. A heavenly watchman stands in that gap, and again, is that link both directions. But we're not looking for land or looking for a surprise birthday party. We're, we're seeing our God, and we're proclaiming that as a watchman. I would say that a heavenly watchman brings heaven into view of earth and points earth towards heaven. Standing there, that link. Church in the city. Our God, Chicago, we're that link. Hey, Chicago, look. Hey, heaven. That's what heaven coming to earth sounds like. Um, it, so bringing heaven into view of earth means, in my opinion, living a life in relationship to Jesus. Daily, living a life in relationship to Jesus. It means living a life in submission to the lordship of Jesus. Not, not, just, not just Jesus is my pal and he's fun to be in relationship with and fun to experience his presence. He's my lord. He's my Lord, and my choices and my life is affected by that. Yeah? Not a popular thing in 2014. It's the new trend in 2014. Make Jesus your Lord. No. Stand in faith for the promises of God. That's what a heavenly watchman does in bringing heaven into view on earth. It affects, it affects how I live my life. I'm standing in faith for the promises of God. Uh, a heavenly watchman is not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16. Not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, because he, has the, he or she has the view of heaven. A heavenly watchman is ready to give an account, 1 Peter 3.15, of the hope that he or she professes. Heaven, earth. It's like the blind man in John 9, who Jesus healed, and he went before the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, hang on, hang on, ha, 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 ha. Tell us what happened, you uneducated imbecile. And the guy says, okay, you ready? pretty complicated. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I see. Talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) But a heavenly watchman is ready to bring heaven into view on earth. Yeah? Also, a heavenly watchman is ready to point earth towards heaven. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? So a heavenly watchman proclaims the greatness of God. Proclaims the greatness of God. Sometimes verbally, sometimes in their actions, whatever it may be. Proclaims the greatness of God. A heavenly watchman proclaims salvation and redemption through the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Heavenly watchman does that. Pointing earth towards heaven. A heavenly watchman intercedes for every aspect, every detail of his city, neighborhood, nation, and all the earth. There's not a detail that a heavenly watchman does not intercede for. A heavenly watchman operates in a kingdom mindset, healing, prophecy, encouragement, miracles of heaven, not of earth, but they're bringing, they're pointing earth towards heaven. You're sick? You're sick? 
I, I know a God who heals. I'm pointing you towards heaven. I'm bringing heaven to earth. There's, your city's overrun by violence. Your city's overrun by this, that. This, this is present. Let me tell you the kingdom that rules, the, the ruler who rules and his kingdom is at hand. That's what I operate in because I'm a heavenly watchman and I'm bringing that to my city. I'm standing in the gap. This is not a passive prophetic word spoken over us. Church in the city as a heavenly watchman sees the reality of God's attributes and salvation and declares them in a meaningful way to the city of Chicago. So just, just briefly, what, I think this begs the question, what God are we proclaiming exactly? Because that's, it's kind of cool to get fired up about, yeah, if heavenly watchman, that's what I'm talking about, heaven, earth, woohoo. You know, we're the road team, citizens of heaven, we're playing here. NFL playoffs are on, sorry. Um, but I, I would say our strength and our mandate as watchmen doesn't come from our worthiness to be watchmen. It comes from the worthiness of God to be proclaimed. Yeah? So there's many, many examples of, of, of our God in Isaiah 40. But just to, touch on, just to touch on some of the ones that stand out to me. Verse 8. Our God is a God whose word stands forever. Forever. As in forever. Verse 10, a God who comes in power. You see that phrase? His arm rules for him. God is so awesome, his arm rules for him. He just, his, it's the might of God. Verse, verse 11, that, that power, that crazy might, might of God, that God tends his flock and carries his lambs close to his heart. Awesome pictures of God. Verse 12, he marks out the heavens with the breadth of his hand. We already discussed what I mark out with the breadth of my hand. What do you mark out with the breadth of your hand? Verse 15, he weighs the islands like they're fine dust. These are crazy pictures. Verse 22, he stretches out the heavens like a canopy. 26, he names the stars and assures that none are missing. And 29, he gives strength to the weary. Verse 31, he renews strength causing those who hope in them, hope in him to soar on wings like eagles. This is a mighty God. This is a gentle God. This is a, this is a just God. This is a loving God. And this is one book, one chapter of one book in the Bible. And all this stuff about God is there. Imagine how we could function as heavenly watchmen to our city, proclaiming the greatness of God. Chicago, here's your God. It's an exciting call to be a watchman, uh, you know, name the scenario in our city that doesn't need this revelation. Name the, name the issue that doesn't need a church interceding and proclaiming the greatness and love of God. I mean, I don't have to say these things. You're already thinking it. You're already thinking these things. What's the situation in Chicago where the character of God is not suited to intervene and to bring his kingdom in power? Yeah, I really don't think, I really don't think the power of God will work in this one, but thank you for playing. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, just to kind of bring it to a close, how is all this done? I get it. This is a very ethereal thing, I know. And practicality is always the rub. And I'm going to keep this kind of simple because I have an idea about this that, well, I'll share in just a second, so don't go anywhere. But verse 9, I think, is the key to how this is outworked. 
verse 9 where it says, lift up your voice with a shout. Wait, 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 I don't want to lift it up. But, but, but don't be afraid. As in, don't be afraid. And I know, I'm saying this as much to me as I am to you. I know that that is heavy. And I know that that is intense. But don't be afraid. For two reasons. One, did we see the God we're proclaiming? And two, he's faithful and he's instructing us to do it. Don't be afraid. Lift it up. Lift it up quietly. Lift it up with a shout. Heavenly watchmen. On the macro level, I think this means very simply obeying Jesus in scripture. Do the things, live the life under lordship of Jesus that you know that we're called to biblically. We don't need to wonder about this. We don't need to wonder about the things that God has made clear in his word about how we should obey Jesus. It's not, is this God's will for my life? No, no, no. He's been clear about a lot of things, right? So that's on a big macro level. Open our eyes and ears, intercede, live a life that's joyfully and boldly proclaiming Jesus as your king, and we operate as a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus. These are clear things that aren't up for debate, in my opinion, from from the scriptures. On the micro level... That is, each of us personally, each of us individually, each of us in our families, in terms of outworking this, I I don't really feel like I can or need to stand up here right now and tell each and every one of you the, the intricacies and details of how this is outworked in your life. I think you already know. I think you know the people that you work with, go to school with, uh, live in your neighborhood. I think you know them. And I think, oh, I'll say this. You know how back in Acts we were talking a little bit about the concept of listen, wait, do? I think this is a great opportunity for that to be outworked. For us to say, literally, Lord, I'm turning my ear to you about how I can be a heavenly watchman in this city. With the people I work with, my neighbor, the people I run into, whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm, I've got my ear to you. And Lord, I'm waiting for your timing. So be clear, Lord. And then when you say do, I'm going to do very simply the very next thing you've called me to do. I'm just saying yes. And then I'm listening again. <laughs> That's, that, I think, is the most practical outworking of that. And that means, that means everything. That means every situation. Turning our ear to the Lord and saying yes. I just want to read this word. Um, Dave, Dave Swart, who's, who's not here today. That's where he always sits. That's why I pointed there. But he had this word. He had this word about our church um, that I just, that I think is so, I'll just read it. And I think it, I think it exemplifies the effect of a heavenly watchman on a city. I saw a large open hill, a plain with a trough for feeding cows. And I saw many cows, but everything around was brown. The cows were brown. There was lots of mud. The the hills and plains they were standing in were brown. And all the feed and the trough seemed brown. And then I saw a massive bald eagle, at least four foot high, perched on the side of the trough. And it looked really out of place. And then the eagle took off, 
And it started soaring high above this scene. And it was a majestic flight, circling above and crying out in a loud voice over the whole plain. The more the eagle cried out with deep cries and loud sounds, the more the scene started to change. And grass formed and color came in and the food improved and the cows improved as well. I just think that's a great picture of the possibility of what a city can be full of heavenly watchmen. That as we cry out, as we intercede, as we stand in the gap for our city, what can happen? We're a church, a family, a people called to be watchmen, proclaiming the greatness of God to our city. Chicago, Illinois, here's your God.